Okay, so I'm here again with Jeff Nader from the Habitat. Uh, my name is Daniel Foch. I'm a real estate broker practicing in the greater Toronto area. Um, and basically on a monthly basis, we break down the GTA real estate stats using uh, data visualization platform and data science platform that you've built, Jeff. Um, so just wondering if you can bring that up and we can take a look at, I guess we're going to start off by looking at March and April, or sorry, February and April of 2022, side by side? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So um, obviously big changes in the market, right? Um, a lot of people, including it to yourself, I think we're kind of calling a, a peak in February. And you know, when we compare side by side on the left, you know, April 2022 stats versus on the right, February 2022, yeah, uh, def definitely a big difference um, when we look at, it, at all the KPIs, really. So, you know, yeah. sales volume down quite a bit, median average price down a lot, um, sale to list ratio down from 1.19% uh, down to 1.10%. Uh, you know, listings are on the market for more days and the number of sales going above the asking price is, is down significantly. And to really? me, that just says much less competitiveness. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's sort of a confirmation of a lot of the, the trends that we were spotting early on in, in our February report um, that, or I guess, sorry, March report um, that, you know, that, but the only thing that wasn't happening, I think, between from February to March uh, that I thought was surprising was that we were seeing prices come down without without seeing volume come down. Now we're seeing the volume come down and usually it's the other way around. Usually volume is leading price. And so I would say that typically on the tail end of the volume decline, you can expect to see more price decline. Um, a lot of people are still trying to spin the narrative that it's a low supply environment and that's why we're seeing volume decline, but that's simply not true, right? Um, the reality is that you know people are, are scared by, by fast um, price decreases and, and there's a lot of wait and see mentality out in the market right now. Um, yep. you've seen sale prices decrease. Um, like you said, the average list to sale price ratio has declined as well. To me, um, you know, that's, that's really the, the big corrective measure that's happening in the market is because of the pricing environment that we evolved into in the greater Toronto area, where people were underpricing properties and pr properties are selling high above asking. I, I, I've always said that there are two metrics, like because of the way things are done, there are two metrics that can change and completely change the market overnight. The first one is that sales to list price ratio. Um, and it be, basically the bids just need to come down in order for the sale price to come down very quickly because we're underpricing as long as, again, like that spread is, is, is decreasing prices are going to come down. The second one that, that you mentioned is the days on market and the days on market is creeping up and it's, it's actually in some areas doubled. And that sounds dramatic. It's like saying interest rates doubled when the fed increased it the, you know, by 25 bips. But the reality is a doubling of the sales cycle um, from six days or seven days, which is your typical bidding war or holding off offers period. If you, if now all of a sudden bidding wars fail and that property has to spend another week on the market that functionally doubles the, rate at which your supply can increase, right? And so it's a lot easier, like that to me expedites your ability to get to a balanced market and then eventually expedites your ability to get to a buyer's market from a seller's market. So inventory has always been a primary driver in the story. And again, now looking at volume here, you know, yeah. it, it's, it, is inventory tight enough to keep prices um, stable in, in a declining market? 
I'm going to guess that the answer to that question is no. Um, and, and I think that the, the data is beginning to prove that. Yeah. If we look at, you know, we're looking at the year over year sales volume here where every line is a different year. We're looking at the months along the x-axis here. We can see in the beginning of 2022, right? January, February, March um, actually had like higher sales volume than compared to the past few years. April is where things have changed and we actually saw lower sales volume um, really compared to any year except for obviously 2020 where there wasn't much activity happening. Um, so in terms of, you know, buyer interest is definitely slowed down. And maybe let's jump over to um, yeah, that other metric you mentioned. So the sales to list price ratio. Yeah. Going to look at the historical trend here. I'm going to take out May, because probably one day of activity there, making things look crazy. But but yeah, we can see on the yellow line here. Let's click it. Uh, we can see since February, sales to list price ratio has been dropping off significantly. Yeah. Um, and we're looking at actually Toronto here. Um, this is one of the areas that has remained fairly hot. But if I just look at GTA, um, you know, all the regions, so Durham, Alton, Peel, Toronto, York, um, we've actually seen a much uh, steeper decline. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is, I've always maintained that underpricing expedites downward price discovery, right? And, and people are always like, ah, oh, it doesn't really make any sense. It sounds like a bunch of hogwash, blah, 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 buzzwords. But the reality is if you're underpricing properties, all that needs to happen is the bid needs to come down and the house, is, the house price can fall very, very quickly. And we're seeing that in real time now. Uh, hopefully this means that eventually we start to correct for you know, what would be a normal pricing, uh, you know, a normal marketing of, of houses in the GTA. Um, but, and, and I do fully expect to see that happen. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, from my perspective, like, and if you look at even if you go look at like when the, the madness really started and you can compare this to 2017 as well, right? Maybe November of last year, October of last year, you actually can see this period of time where list prices are declining and sales prices are in, increasing, right? Um, and so basically the spread, the bid ask table spread is um, like if you're examining it almost like a stock. Uh, is actually growing. And so what that does is that creates this like almost like hypothetical excess demand where there's so much money chasing so few, like it's a scarcity thing, right? There's so few cheap properties, even though the pricing is false. Um, and, and now I think again, like to me, the, my big objective of, of most of the content that I'm doing, and I think you guys have the same thing in creating transparency is trying to give Canadians the ability to have a, a healthy relationship with housing and the housing market and, and, and trying to create clear, the clarity that's necessary for that to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so what do you got here? Um, is, is this quarterly or weekly? This is weekly. We're looking at weekly here, actually. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, November is kind of like the peak craziness and um, we're, we're just looking at the weekly trend for a sales list price ratio. Yeah. Yeah. So we can see by, you know, like February obviously is the peak here. And it, I think it's interesting on a weekly basis, right? How yeah. consistent Very that decline consistent has been. Yeah. Um, you know, a slight uptick here. But yeah. um, when we're looking at that monthly average, I mean, really is probably lower than that in the most recent weeks, right? So, yeah. um, you know, if we could, could get crazy and go down to the days, let's, let's see what's happening here. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's still consistent, right? It's interesting, actually, to see there's almost like a uh, sinusoidal, like a wave of, of day. Yeah. Is there a specific day of the week that commands the highest price? Because that would be a great data. Saturday, like Sunday. Sunday, eh? yep. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, weekends. Wow, that's a cool chart. So. I'm just, I'm just that right now. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. 
Awesome. There's too much data in here. We need like people like yourself exploring it a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding the time, right? We got to get more realtors on the platform, I think. Exactly. Speaking of uh, anyone interested in in joining, um, if you hold a TREB membership, uh, just feel free to reach out at contact at thehabitstat.com or just visit our website. You'll see the uh, realtor sign up form on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any other trends that yeah, I guess over under asking it should be an interesting one, right? Um, I guess we're probably seeing yeah. historically or maybe within the past several quarters record uh, home selling under asking comparatively or? Um, I, I wouldn't say, you know, thing is like it's, it's declined for sure, but we're still right you now at, at record levels. So yeah. we dropped down from, you know, 83% over ask to 73, which is yeah. you know, significant. Um, but if we look back to say 2019, it was typically a much lower uh, percentage. Yeah. I think it goes um, back to that, that idea of, you know, seeing list prices decline while sale prices are going up from my perspective, it's like, you know, we, we're seeing the buy side, um, price discover downward, right? And we're not seeing the sell side price discover downward already because we're, our pricing mechanism is backwards, right? Like now, if anything, you're seeing the sell side price discover upward because bidding wars aren't working, right? right. So, yeah. so again, like th- there's this huge gap between what sellers expect or what sellers are listing at and what their expectations are, right? And that whole thing is, is um, that, and 2017 told us this, that's a six month mess to figure out before you get to a market in which properties start selling at a hundred percent or, you know, or in the nineties or like, you know, you're 95 to 105 kind of thing, which is to me is a normal market. Right. And I think exactly. the longer that we let this happen, we let, you know, this, this perpetuated for months at a time of this underpricing phenomena, agents begin to rely on the strategy. They, they become a one trick pony. They don't know how to price a house properly. And so the more that we're relying on uh, the market to price product for us, the less that we can actually price discover properly. So I think that that's going to be like the, the thing to watch is what's happening to list prices and what's happening to sale prices at the same time. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so in regards to new listings, um, you know, obviously we, we've seen uh, above record uh, sales volume in the first three months of 2022. Um, and, and, you know, sales volume in April took a dip. But yeah. the other thing to know is new listings also declined um, in April, right. right? So even when we compare to say uh, 2021, new listings are down significantly in that month. Right. So, I mean, what, what are the impacts of that on just like, you know, buyers, um, why, why aren't we seeing new listings maybe peak up with, um, you know, I guess higher interest rates yet? or is it just something that hasn't taken uh, come into effect yet? Yeah. I, I think there's a trailing effect to higher interest rates, right? Like that, you know, I, I don't like, I don't think that the financial stress that people perceive happens as a result of higher interest rates happens instantly, right? Like you only have to pay your mortgage once a month and you only have to renew your mortgage once every five years, right? So it doesn't really, you know, especially for, for knowing that 50% of new origination, new mortgage originations are variable, it takes, it's going to take several rate hikes and it's going to take several months at a time at that new escalated capital cost for people to really start feeling financial stress as a result of this. I think the other thing is COVID's really changed the way that, that, re- that we transact real estate, right? Um, and you're starting to see more and more people being rewarded for, for patients on the, on the upside for the past two years and on the downside for the past two months, right? And so Canadians are never really, 
I, I, we don't take initiative, right? I think characteristically, you know, like a lot of economic theory talks about how Canadians are always first or always last to be first or something like that. I can't remember what it is, first to be last. You know, we, we don't want to be the one, the primary one to make a decision. So the, I think that you're seeing a lot of waiting and seeing on the buy side and on the sell side, right? Um, you know, that makes sense. That, yeah, and you have to imagine that a lot of sellers also need to buy, right? So you're starting to, again, get to this point where, we have to remember a lot of the stories that are coming out now are, oh, I sold my house. Now the buyer's not closing. And I also, or, or you know, I, I went and bought a house first in February and now I can't sell my house in April. And I'm, and I'm, my transaction now is going to cost me 500K more than I thought. Um, and so a lot of these current transactions really need to come out in the wash before we can actually start getting to, again, a healthy market where, People are buying and selling in the same market. Transactions are happening at a normal cadence, right? Um, yeah, I think there was there's one other thing I wanted to add there, but I can't remember what it was. So hopefully it comes back up in my brain. But um, I like looking yeah. at, at this. Uh, so what, what's the visual we're looking at here? Yeah, so, so this is uh, the breakdown of active listings um, within the GTA across uh, all property types. Yeah. Um, I think one key thing here, um, probably look at it a bit better on a different chart, but is looking at the current list price averages versus the original. So, um, you know, what we've actually seen is the average, or sorry, the, the median list price has actually gone higher. Um, the average, you know, this can be a bit skewed, it's going the opposite direction, but yeah. to me that this potentially is a sign that, you know, there, there's that upward repricing. Yeah. So, and the average, the average piece being interesting because, you know, that would say that you're seeing less price change in the, uh, in the lower end of the market, so, um, or sorry, more price change in the lower end of the market, skewing it down. Um, I, I think that it's, um, you know, I, this is a data point that I've watched a lot over the past couple of months. And I think in February, I, I started to point out just with a quick, like a little screenshot saying, look, you can see right now that price changes are happening on average up. Right. And, and I think that we're seeing, you know, at the median price changes are happening up. So again, we're starting to see that price discovery happening where sellers are saying, oh, underpricing is not working. So again, it, it's it's a very, very confusing world to be in. And I think that comes back to that, that volume um, thing that we were just talking about, right? It's like uh, volume now is, is um, decreasing. And a lot of people want to say that this can create a tightness in the market that could cause, uh, you know, um, like we're hypothetically still in a seller's market, right? From a data perspective, from a volume perspective, we're, we're approaching a, a, um, a balanced market. Um, but the, the difference that's happening in, in real time right now, and this is more of a macro thing than, you know, examining the microeconomics of what we're looking at right now is um, that the buying power of all of those buyers is decreasing. So I always like to say it in, in simple terms, it, it's a lot of people talk about excess demand. Like, um, you know, you can think about a house as the number of people chasing it. So your house is worth 50 people as an example, if there's 50 buyers looking at it, but that's not how it works. How it works is it's the buying power of the person, the one number one of those 50 people that's willing to pay the most. And that number is going down. So we need to think about houses as the amount of dollars chasing a house, not the amount of people chasing a house. And that's why yep. we can have prices decline and why we can have prices decline for a long time in, in a longer bear market, even with record high immigration, uh, you know, keeping more people chasing houses in the Canadian economy, right? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. 
Um, so, so one thing I realized we don't actually touch on too much on the, in these videos is, um, you know, we have all the lease data for, for the GT right. as well, right? Um, and just looking at that, you know, we've been seeing the upward trend really since, um, you know, December 2020. Yeah. Um, with with average rents climbing to uh, 2700 across the GTA. Um, I guess, how do you view, view the relationship between, you know, home prices where they are right now, like buyer struggles versus uh, compared to rent prices? Right. So I, I think here's, this, is a, this is a really, really interesting conversation to have. Um, there's a very clear correlation between interest rates and, and rental growth, right? They're positively correlated. So rates go up, rents go up. Why is that, right? Because buying power is decreasing, but but um, people don't use credit to pay their rent, right? And and so you have to examine it as the people who are getting knocked out of the market as a result, or the people who whose buying power is being reduced as a result of rates increasing, were probably either A, renters, or B, ha haven't even started new household formation yet, right? Uh, you know, the people who are being marginalized out by rate hikes. And this is a very important part of the conversation right now, because rate hikes technically don't make the market more affordable for first-time mm -hmm. homebuyers, right? Rate hikes, the price decreases make it more affordable, but if rates are up, where that capital cost delta, the delta between house prices and in the increase in interest rate needs to be favorable in order for somebody to be able to stay as a market participant. Um, exactly. So, you know, I, I always examine this one, especially because before COVID, my primary type of clientele was investors. And COVID changed that because the marginal buyer just started blowing all my investors out of the water. And the majority of my investors were selling property during, in the GTA, at least selling property during COVID and buying in other markets. Um, and so now things are changing where rents are escalating, right? And that's going to continue to happen as, as rate hikes hap happen, more people get pushed out of um, out of the market, pushed down out of the market, and they end up in the rental pool, right? Rents are going to go up and uh, prices are going to go down. And so what that does is it creates an environment in which uh, rental valuations um, based on, on a cap rate basis or rental returns. So the, the return that you can earn on purchasing a rental property is becoming far better than it was you know, just two months ago. So I expect to see a lot of investor activity. And I've said at the beginning of this that, and I don't know if this solves the problem because it creates more house hoarding, it creates more, you know, landlordism, et cetera, which a lot of things, you know, people are saying are, are um, qualitative problems with the, the Canadian real estate market, which I, I would genuinely agree with. I think that that's, you know, a, a part of the issue. Um, but again, com more compelling, um, more compelling investments. I think when you get to that kind of like five cap, when you get to the point where every house available in the GTA detached, like right now we're at the point where every duplex in the GTA, I would say, give or take, should be cash flow positive at a standard investor loan to value, which is about 70%. Okay. I, I don't never recommend people purchase more than set than 70% loan to value um, on, a, on an investment property. You need some padding there. Um, right now, every duplex in the GTA is at that point. If you get to the point where every single family house is cash flow positive at a typical single family investor loan to value, which would be 80%, um, that's your price floor. 
to me, that is hundred percent your price floor. And so to, so the, the interesting part is right now, rents are putting upward pressure on the price floor, right? And interest rates are putting downward pressure on the price floor because the capital cost is going up and that changes the cash flow positivity of it. So it'd be interesting to see because we know those two things are correlated, what the net effect is. And it might actually be worth maybe for next week's or sorry, next month's um, thing is trying to establish what that correlation looks like between rent yep. and interest rates. So that I'm just wondering, because if there's a multiple, right, you could almost guess which is going to have a greater impact. You could say, oh, rate, rents are actually going to going to uh, harden the, the price floor from the bottom. First, uh, rates are going to actually have a lower impact. And we can probably guess that, you know, what if you can, you could, you could almost do the algebra to find what is a, you know, cash flow positive single family house as a function of rent, you know, if, okay, what's, you know, if we know, and then if you can kind of calculate, okay, if Toronto settles at a 5% cap rate, single family detached market, that's where your price floor is. And I would probably guess that it's going to be, I'm, I'm going to be pretty damn close on, on that napkin math or head math. Awesome. Well, yeah, I appreciate all the insights here. Um, oh, my pleasure. So we'll, we'll, we'll chat again in probably a week or so for the uh, April tree update nationally. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, next month we'll, we'll see what happens for, for the May stats in GTA. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if you want to just maybe fill people in on, if they want to browse the charts that we just looked at, um, what should they do? Like go to your website, should I send you an email, follow you on Twitter? What? Yeah, definitely follow us on Twitter. Um, reach out, you know, we I think our Twitter inbox should be open. Um, email us at the at contact at thehabistat.com or visit our website, www.thehabistat.com. Um, you'll see a button for, I think, realtor sign up on there if you're interested in browsing what we're offering. Okay, amazing. Thanks a lot, man. Lots of lots of free stuff on there too. That we're, yeah. we're I mean, we're trying to make this data as public as possible. Um, fortunately, some data sharing limitations, which we'd like to eventually get around uh, when it comes to the GTA specific stuff. But maybe we're gonna open source this, right? Since everybody's a realtor in the GTA anyway. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, Dan. Hey, Talk soon. Have a good weekend. You too.